love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. This is a true Canadian love story. We were meant to be together. I can't imagine my life without you. Honestly, he's a light of my life. It's nice to be in that tractor beam of love. I'm her biggest fan. I think I knew I'd lost my heart again. I knew I wanted a marriage like that. Difficult roads can lead to very beautiful destinations. Well, love is the most important thing. One day he said, well, I'm going to Canada. It would be lovely if you'd come with me, but we'd have to be married. And that was the proposal I got. And I say that one in my words, it was my bloody proposal. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to Christine and Chris from Fort Langley, BC. When you hear about a couple who met when they were 16 and have been married for nearly 60 years, you might jump to the conclusion that their story is predictable. But the path of love is rarely straight, and Chris and Christine are living proof of that. The twists and turns of their love story might just leave you breathless. You can read all about it in the book The Choir Boy and the Belly Dancer, but you can hear it from them today. This is the Canadian Love Map. Christine and Chris, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Love Map. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you very much. I wonder how many people who see you on a regular daily basis know that you are a choir boy and a belly dancer. Well, they didn't, but they do now. (laughs) (laughs) She's dragged you both out of the closet, I guess. That's right. And of course, we weren't that at the same time. The the cover on my book looks a little lurid because I'm 70. Yeah, I'm 17 in the photo and Christopher's 12. But of course, it happened at different times in our lives. <laughs> well, your, bro- your book brought you onto our radar, and we were so excited when you said that you would uh, be guests on the podcast. So I am really keen to dive right into your story. You say you met when you were 16. Set the scene for me, if you would. Sure. I got kicked out of my lodgings. I was on my own because my parents were in the Middle East and um, dad's company would only pay for kids under 16 to go and join him. So I was out. I was, uh, they, I got a job. They fixed me up with um, digs. And this is in the UK at the time? Yes. Sorry. Yes, it is. Were you both born there? I was born in London. Christine was born in uh, Sussex. Yeah. Okay. Six months apart. During the war, the end of the war, um, I'm, I'm flipping around all over the place here, but part of the book, it goes into Chris's childhood. He got buried when a bomb hit his house and got found um, the rubble and a fireman found him. Very angry six-month-old baby. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Well, I know. Yeah, so it almost there was almost no book to write. 
anyway, back to us being 16. Um, the well, At 16 years old, I was working in the same shop as Chris. And it was hand-to-mouth existence because I was paying for my digs. Chris was still living at home. And I was kicked out of my digs because I had this penchant for reading horror stories at night under the bed. And I was reading The Haunting of Toby Jug by Dennis Wheatley. And um, just as the embodiment of evil was slithering over the the, the wind, through the window to devour Toby Jug, the cat started yowling outside on the dustbins. And I went screaming into my landlady's room and she was very nervous. And that's the only reason she had me there because her husband worked nights and she was so nervous. So she started screaming and I started screaming because I thought she could see what I could see. And um, anyway, I realized what was happening gave her a cup of tea, which was my grandmother's panacea of everything, and um, carried on as normal, went to work, came back from work the next day, and her mother was standing there saying, get out, my daughter's in hospital with a nervous breakdown because of you. (laughs) So I talked her into allowing me to stay overnight, um, went into work next day with my little suitcase. <laughs> and it was a young crowd, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah we crowd. had a, a lot of new stuff. Yeah. So, Chris, you saw Christine arrive with her suitcase. You tell me the next part. Okay, but I, Christine and I weren't an item at this point at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, she was just one of the new girls who all the other guys were chasing and I wasn't going to join the queue. <laughs> anyway, um, she came into work and she told us what happened. And she, I said, what are you going to do? Oh, she said, I'll check. Someone will give me a, a room for the night. Well, I went about work. And at the 5.30 that night, I said, do you have anywhere to stay? And she said, no, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I said, well, you better come home with me and my mum will look after you. So. Wonderful. <laughs> took me to the bus station. She got on the bus and I cycled my bike behind it down to a little place called Brackersham Bay. In Sussex. On the coast. On the coast, right, it's right near the beach. And uh, took her in and said to mum, Christine's got nowhere to stay. Can she stay here? So she said, yeah, she can sleep with the girls, my two sisters. So three of them slept in the same bed for six months. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And by the, by the end of the six months, we were an item. <laughs> the sparks were flying. Right. Yeah. So that, in a nutshell, is how we yeah. All right. So you'd think a lot of people might expect that the story would naturally evolve. You'd get married, you'd settle down, but there was a big detour. There was a big detour, yes. Um, by the end of that year, I got a call from my dad's company who said, okay, what you need, your parents want you to join them in Aden now. And, um, and where is Aden? In the Middle East. It's now part of Yemen. But at that time, it was a British crown colony. And uh, my dad was a civil engineer there, building roads and bridges and so on. Well, I arrived about a week before my 17th birthday. And my mum adored parties. And this was a big excuse for her to give one. And mum, unlike most of the expats there, Mum loved the local culture. She had a lot of Arabs among her friends, um, and Dad too. Come to that, you know. And so she invited all these 
amazing people to my party, the chief of police, who gave me a driver's license, by the way, without me ever touching a car. <laughs> On the sly. And, um, yeah, and in that party they brought along this pop singer, an Arab pop singer. He was he was really famous, um, big fish in a small pond, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. And he played, and um, I loved the music. I actually thought I'd hate it when I first got there because it was, to me, cacophonic. But when you heard it up close, all the porter tones, and I, I, I don't know, I probably had a couple of drinks. And <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Your husband choked on that a little bit. Was that because you, you think a couple is an understatement, Chris? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that makes me sound like a lush, and I'm not really... Um, anyway, I kicked my shoes off and I started dancing. Just any sort of dance. You know, it was just really got into my bones. And Ahmed was his name. And he came by the next day and asked if he could take me out for lunch. And fickle me, you know, I've got Christopher on my mind, but this was all rather glamorous being invited out by a, by a pop star. <laughs> And one thing led to another, and he asked if I would dance with his band in the theatre. It was a huge theatre. Well, for my, uh, it was 2,000 seats, which made it pretty big. Mum and Dad, of course, said, absolutely not. <laughs> and I started sulking. And um, because I have a, a bit of a disability, it's a progressive thing, Mum was always awfully pleased when I did anything that was a was, would have been a bit impossible. It's a neuromuscular thing, and it uh, you know it affects balance and so on. So Mum was delighted that this was happening, and Dad finally agreed if I gave any money I earned to Mum's charity, which was a school for the blind. So I was fine with that. It was for a good cause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and of course the majority. The majority of the audience was men. And when I think back, I can understand my mum and dad being a little bit dubious. Mm-hmm. You were a young, impressionable 17-year-old. That's right. She was bloody good looking too. <laughs> <laughs> well, inevitably, um, you know, a romance blossomed between Ahmed and I. And again, I he turned out he was married. But he said, but I can have four wives in my religion. So next thing I go to my mum and say, okay, I want to change my religion. I'm going to become Islam so I can marry Ahmed. Oh my gosh. You were going to become part of the pop star's harem. Yes. I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought he was quite um, kind because he wouldn't divorce his first wife. And as he said, you know, they married very young and that was the way things were done and it wasn't her fault. So I thought, yeah, that's okay. Anyway, I was really in love with the the whole scenario, the fame. And poor Chris, inevitably, I wrote the dear Chris letter, you know. And, but by that time, now he denies this. No, no, no. I never received the letter. Oh, okay. I want to hear this from Chris. You didn't receive the letter or you burned the letter? Oh, no, I didn't get it. But then again, if uh, I was, I had been living down in Sussex and after Christine went 
after Aden, I moved back to London. Oh. So I was living in North London. And the letter wouldn't have come to where I was there. It would have gone to my house address. Well, my mum was a bit strict, so she might have just deep-sixed it anyway. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't know. And, and I only found out about this letter a little while ago. What was that like? Yeah. <laughs> or, or when we were talking to Sarah. When we were yeah. talking to the other lady. And were you still carrying a torch for Christine while she was off uh, dancing no, with pop stars in the Middle engaged. East? He got engaged to the woman I said, look after Chris for me. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. We went to a party one night and I had um, maybe just a touch too much to drink. And the next day they said, oh. I got, you got engaged last night, congratulations. And I said, no, I didn't. I don't remember saying it, so it didn't happen. But Phyllis, Phyllis said so. Yeah, anyway. That went awkward. Anyway. Okay, so he didn't get the letter. You thought you had broken up with him. And what happened next? Well, mom and dad obviously refused. What they did was said, okay, give it a year. We'll go back to England. And dad by now had got fired because because of my dancing. Poor dad. I mean, he got another job out there very easily, but... He had a rather stuffy company that said, you know, well brought up young English girls do not do this sort of thing. And was and, it actually uh, belly dancing you were doing? It wasn't true belly dancing. It was my version of dancing. But, um, you know, they called me the English belly dancer, although it was just sort of spontaneous yeah. stuff all the time. It was belly dancing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, she said. <laughs> You know, we've been married for 57 years. We might not make 58 next year. You can blame me, I guess, (laughs) creating division. So I was, I think, looking back, now memory is a very slippery thing, but looking back, it seems to me I was almost relieved at the idea of giving it a year because there was just something that, I don't know, it seemed a bit off. Well, sorry, what were you giving a year? Oh, mum and dad said, they let's give it a year, and if you still feel the same way, you'll have our blessing. Oh, to actually to actually marry the pop star? I didn't hear about an, uh, an engagement there, sorry. <laughs> no, well, that's right. He asked, there was no official engagement, but um, yeah, if, I, if we felt the same way after a year in England, that was the key, I had to go back to England which I did with dad and the family. And it was funny because on the ship, we went back by ship. The year was what, 1962, I guess. And, um, 61, yeah, 61, yeah, 61, 62. And I remember looking down the deck and there was a young guy about my age with ginger hair. Christopher had ginger hair in those days, curly ginger hair and freckles. And, I thought, oh, he reminds me of Chris. Oh, wonder how Chris is. You know, <laughs> wonder. So it was, um, it was like a bit of a wake-up call. Anyway, I decided in my new, with my new veneer of sophistication, I'd ask Christopher and a girlfriend, if he had a girlfriend at that point, to come and meet me. You and knew me. as Phyllis. No, I, not until she walked in the door. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I got his address from his mum. And she did say to me, he is engaged, you know. I said, oh, I just want to, you know, just give him my respects and pick up. And um, Chris did bring Phyllis down. I was living in lodgings again. 
a dreadful place where I had one room, shared bathroom, and the room was dominated by this enormous Victorian bed. And there was one chair. I bought, I, I went out and I bought canapes and, and, and I had some wine. But, of course, two people had to sit on the bed. And you could have blown me away with a feather when Phyllis walked through the door. This was, oh, okay. <laughs> so I sat her on the chair and Chris and I sat on the bed. Right. Well, that's clear messaging. <laughs> <laughs> you carry on, it's your story. <laughs> <laughs> it's our story. This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centers, Canada's largest family-owned jewelry store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. Chris, were you excited to see her again? You, you had uh, heard from her, been invited. What were you feeling about this? Well, I didn't know what to feel because I, I hadn't heard anything from her at all. So, and then suddenly this came out of the blue. Um, so I went down there to, to see her and I was had no expectations uh, at that time in any way, shape or form. And um, But after the meeting, um, which went, as Christine said, like the longest day. I've had months that were shorter. I went back to London and I was living in uh, with a bunch of other guys in Finsbury Park. In a hostel. In a hostel, yeah, a company hostel. And my roommate, who was from uh, Hong Kong, uh, I told him the story about Christine. And he said, well, do you want to get back with her? I said, yeah, I'd love to. But I said, I don't write that kind of stuff. He said, sit down. Take up his He said, write what I tell you. And he dictated a love letter. Oh, it was the most marvelous thing. Yeah, It was like surrounded to Bergerac all over again. Uh, I didn't write. The only thing I wrote at the bottom of that was my name. <laughs> do you still have the letter no 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 long gone anyway i sent that off to christine and i uh, got a reply and uh arranged for christine to come up and see me in, in london at the weekend so she'd come up for the day so i sent her train fare down and she came up on the train and we went out for lunch and we went to the cinema in leicester square in the afternoon and then she got the last train back in the evening and we did that, what, twice a month? Oh, I thought it was every week. Every weekend, but, yeah. almost every weekend, anyway. I thought he was really wealthy <laughs> because he was sending me this money. He was actually spending just about all his wages. All my, all my, yeah. I was living on, on beans on toast the rest of the week. That's beautiful. But, uh, anyway, Christine was, would come back and forth. Uh, and finally, uh, a mate of mine who was in the hospital had a girlfriend in Ireland. Dolores, and uh, he wanted to bring her over to London. I said, so we said, okay, if we can find an apartment the two girls can share, and then they can afford to live with it. Expensive, even then. Well, the lady in my shop, Mrs. Gunn, had an apartment at the top of her old Victorian house. <laughs> two rooms. Two rooms. <laughs> two rooms and a landing. Apartment sounds yeah. too great. And, and, and a toilet's <laughs> in the back garden. But uh, it was a nice-sized living room. Anyway, so... Dolores came from Ireland. Christine came from Sussex. They met at about two o'clock in the afternoon. And we all met there. And that night, 
Those two girls slept together. I mean, they had to sleep in the same bed. There was only Which one bed. they did bed. for a long time after that. They, they <laughs> had to share the bed. There was only one for one bed. Anyway, so they came. And um, so now Christine was in London, got herself a job. And we went on from there. Yeah. It, I think okay. what... I think what cemented the idea of moving up to London for me <clears throat> was that train because the last train meant a connection in a village, a small village, to connect to the town I lived in. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I missed the connection one night and had to spend the night in jail because I had no money, no, you know, you, there were no credit cards then. Um, and even if, I, if there had been a place to stay, you know, I couldn't have afforded it. So I did what all well-brought-up young girls did and went to the police station and asked for help. And they said, well, you could sleep in the cell and we could bring you back breakfast, but that's seven shillings and sixpence. <laughs> and I had two shillings on me. So the, the cop, he was a lovely old guy. He was um, very avuncular, you know. And he said, but if you haven't got it, you can drop it round sometime. So I slept in the cell that night. And next morning, they brought me this full English breakfast. It was wonderful. <laughs> oh, he left the cell door open so I didn't have to use the bucket in the corner. I could use the toilet. <laughs> but but this breakfast made me think, you know, my, my landlady's breakfast paled in comparison. <laughs> no. Jail was looking good, I guess. <laughs> oh, a life of crime, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that that decided me. I thought, yes, London, I'm, I'm going to move up there. Barnston, that was it. That's it. Yeah. That was yeah. I have this visual of you weighing Chris or crime? Chris or crime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where did it go from there? Well, Chris would... Um, come and meet me on his half day. I, I got a job in the West End of London and he'd come and meet me and we'd walk around the park or something. And one day he said, well, I'm going to Canada. It would be lovely yeah. if you'd come with me, but we'd have to be married. And that was the proposal I got. <laughs> Can I say that one in my words? It was my bloody proposal. <laughs> Over to you, Chris. We, we, we went... Uh, we hadn't had something to eat, and we went into Hyde Park, and we were sitting by the serpentine there on the bench. And I said, mm -hmm. you know, um, I really would like us to get married. Oh, you did, right. But I'm going to Canada next year. So if you're not interested in going and immigrating, then uh, maybe put that into your equation. <laughs> and Christine just sort of, sort of quiet for a couple of ticks, and then she sort of turns and says, Canada, never been there. Okay. Well, that was it. <laughs> that was it. Was there any getting down on one knee or anything that you're not telling me about? No, we were just sitting on the couch. <laughs> I didn't even have a ring at that point. <laughs> no, that's right. Anyway, when people heard about it, they gave us six months, but proved them wrong, didn't they? Yeah, I guess you yeah. both got the last, <laughs> the last laugh. So Canada brought new adventures. Right. When we got to Vancouver, finally, um, it, it was pouring with rain as only Vancouver Novembers can bring it, it down. You know, just, and we s spend our first night in the hotel, 
little hotel on, I don't know if you know Vancouver, but Hastings Street is sort of the edgy bit of Vancouver. And um, I remember, oh, we tucked into bed. Okay, we're here. This is our new life. And the window opened about five o'clock in the morning. And I saw this leg come through. I thought, my first thought was, it was a window cleaner. <laughs> and then I realized it wasn't a window cleaner. It was a burglar. And I switched the light on. And the leg disappeared. And the, the we fire were, escape was right outside. And yeah, this was your very right. first morning there. First night. In Welcome Vancouver. to yeah. Canada. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we called down. There was actually the hotel had did have a desk clerk at night, which was great. They called the police. They called the police. The police came up and Christopher just turned over and went back to sleep. I did. <laughs> you love that bit of the story. That I do. Anyway, the, I'd never seen a real gun. So the cop sitting on the bed showing me his gun. I go, oh, is that a real gun? <laughs> it was fascinating because we'd only ever seen guns in Right, movies. because the bobbies in London would have had the um, batons. Trench. They, yeah. They didn't even That's carry those in those days. So it has been, it's been almost six decades together. And I am really interested to know, having witnessed your, your um, uh, hilarious repartee, I'm really interested to know what it is you love most about each other. Chris, I would love to hear from you first. Christine, I've always told everybody, if you live with Christine, you're never bored <laughs> because you never know what she's going to do next, right? And some of the zaniest things come out. And always, in her mind, she has a perfectly logical reason as to why she just did that. <laughs> and it makes for a very hilarious uh, lifestyle. It's good. She's also my very best friend oh. uh, and lover. And um, we have a great time together. Mm -hmm. So, I, But the, the crazy thing is, I have a very London way of talking, uh, especially if I get a little excited. And if people come into this house, I swear to you, they heard me talking, they would swear that I didn't like her at all. <laughs> because some of the expressions that are used, they're old London expressions. And today, you're almost forbidden for saying them, but in our house, it's common. Do you dare give me an example? Well, obviously, I always call her a silly cow. Why do you do that for? <laughs> <laughs> or a daft cow or something like that. And, just... and some you really wouldn't want to put no, no, on. No, no. <laughs> Do you see those as terms of endearment, Christine? Well, I love Chris's sense of humour. Um, he can make me laugh even when I feel down. And we usually find that one of us is down, the other one's up and so on. So we, we can, can balance each other out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I and the loyalty and, um, yeah, there's a lot I love about him. There's sometimes it's like, what the hell am I doing in this relationship? But. That's marriage, isn't it? <laughs> That's terrific. So I gather you had this story um, forming in your mind for a while in terms of putting it into a book. Have you been tickled pink to hear people's reaction to your book, The Choir Boy and the Belly Dancer? Doesn't begin to describe it. It's the I, understatement of the year. Oh, I, well... To be honest, when I started it, I thought this will be a nice project for my grandchildren, given the backstory and that. Ironically, I think my son's the only person who hasn't read it. 
that will go. Um, so I, it was only when I started reading bits out and found the editor and she said, no, this is beyond that, beyond your grandchildren. This is a, a good memoir. And the reports, I mean, just the reviews on Amazon are amazing. And I'm just not just tickled. I'm actually sounds really corny, but I'm quite humbled because, you know, it's um, it's it's amazing how entertained people are by it. Well, that's wonderful. I look forward to reading it. I really do. Thank you so much, both of you, Chris and Chris, Chris squared. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Nancy. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. This has been a Podstarter production. production.